You're listening to KXSF LP San Francisco. This is Pamela Louie, and I am excited to be joined by Jenny Olson. Jenny, can you hear us? So, oh, there you are. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm I'm well, and I'm so excited to be talking to you here. Um, yeah, I saw you a few weeks ago before that had been a while, but I just have just find what you have done with your career to be so interesting so i'm I'm glad that i'm i can like capture you from now until four o'clock um and just pick your brain a little bit so i could go through the bio but i always ask my guests to let our listeners know about themselves in their own words so do you mind if you could just tell everyone a little bit about who you are and, and what you've done um sure <laughs> it's i i have i'm very blessed to have had a very full career of doing so many things it's sometimes hard to to even say everything um but uh uh i mean i think my main things that i i think of myself as a queer film historian and archivist um and kind of have done a lot in terms of like historical research for documentaries. I've, I'm a, a, a production um, archival producer on uh, any number of uh, LGBT documentaries in that in that capacity. Um, I'm a queer filmmaker, which I'm very proud of. Um, experimental, I make 16 millimeter urban landscape essay films um, and uh, have had my work at Sundance and of course Frameline and many, many festivals. Um, uh, I ran and I was co-director of Frameline in the, in the early nineties, which is how we first met. Um, I think I want to say maybe I showed one of your films. I, back when you were more in the film world no it, it was after it, it was before, before that yeah. because I, my, not, my films didn't start uh the first one i think was was in 2000 and i remember when you and mark used to be you're the festival co-directors i think 92 93 something like that was, mm -hmm. yeah. okay so i just yeah. knew you ar around and then yeah yeah okay well at least i knew who you yeah. were you may not have known who i was but i knew who you were no, I totally remember, you, you know, that, that sense of community and, um, anyway, but, uh, but yeah, Frameline, um, what else? I, now I work at, uh, I work at GLAAD, the LGBTQ advocacy, media advocacy organization, um, doing, um, uh, social media and tech, uh, platform accountability, basically harassing, you know, meta and <laughs> company um to uh to do better um and uh and my some of my background um in that world was that I was one of the co-founders of planetout.com in the mid 90s um anyway so that's my little uh yeah elevator pitch version of my bio okay well we'll get there with the with the probing questions that are about to follow. Uh, okay, so so you it sounds like you knew from early on that you wanted to throw your lot in with film. You were a film studies major in college and you know, you've had this decades old career. How does someone know that? I mean, like I think about when I went to college, I thought 
I would thought I wanted to be like a, a judge. So I was like thinking I was going to go to law school and that went out the window after like three months. Like, I think it's pretty impressive that you knew super, so early that this is something that you wanted to dedicate your life to. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting thing. I, I, uh, I have, my, yeah, I, I mean, I think, well, it took me a very long time to get my BA. I spent nine years as an undergrad. Um, and partly like the first half of that, I was not particularly uh, interested in school and just kind of bumming around. And then, and then I took a film studies class and was like, oh my God. And, and I had always just loved film. And, um, and then I read uh, a book called The Cellular Closet about the history of homosexuality on screen. And that was like, and that was basically was how I came out. Um, and, and that, and I decided, well, the main thing was I read about those films and I was like, I want to see those films and I'll bet other people want to see them too. And, and there was a, the student union had like a film series program where students could be like, I want to program a film series and they would like help you. And so I went in and was like, I want to do a gay film series. And they were like, okay, uh, good luck finding the films, but here's a bunch of distribution rental catalogs. Um, and so I started the gay film series there and ran it for several years as a volunteer. Um, and I think like, so, you know, having the luxury of being in college and getting to, as a volunteer, do that curating, um, you know, was how I was like, okay, I want to do this for a job, which of course, you know, it's not exactly the most lucrative uh, job, film programmer, film festival curator. Um, but I, you know, was passionate about it. And, um, but I think getting to have that like hands-on experience of, of curating and, um, knowing what that would be like as a job was like invaluable, you know, which I think when you're in college, you know, ideally you get to, to do some of that. Yeah. So, but you don't get to, you know, be like, try out being a judge. <laughs> like, no, so, you, no, you don't get to do that. But like, what would that actually be like uh, as a yeah. job, as a career? You know? Yeah, no, that was definitely a, hey, <clears throat> when I was like a kid, I wanted to be a psychiatrist. Okay, so and <laughs> and, and here, I, here I am slugging wine for how many years, but which That's is kind of a, but I think of like bartender and therapist as like, somewhat in the same ballpark <laughs> oh, oh okay i mean let's put this way you in the when you work in the hospitality world and especially when there's alcohol involved you learn that how to keep secrets that's for sure because you do hear a lot um mm. but i think that the the profession that's probably most suited to uh having an extra as a therapist is as a uh, a hairstylist mm, mm-hmm. you know yeah mm-hmm. barbers yeah Listen. I actually, I actually had a therapist once and then he, he actually ended up becoming a therapist. He's like, you know, I'm tired of getting paid $60 when I should be getting paid $180. And that was kind of like, wait, from, a, went from being a, a hairstylist yeah, to, a yeah, this guy who used to cut my hair <laughs> and then, and then he like, he went to school and became a therapist. Brilliant. 
anyway, we digress. Um, so I let's talk about something that is kind of timely. I mean, I think that it, after the, uh, you know, what happened over the weekend with the massacre in Colorado with five, uh, you know, queer identified people being murdered and many others being injured and this being, you know, unfortunately not the first and probably not the last attack, you know, deliberate a, deliberate attack on uh, the LGBTQ community. We, we, it seems like we're seeing more uh, latent attacks, um, especially towards trans people. Um, but, or at least, you know, that is what, what is getting a lot of, of coverage, uh, especially trans women of color specifically. On the other hand, in the media, we have like, you know, every show has a gay character somewhere pretty much now, you know, or queer character. There are shows that are just based on, on like queer characters. Uh, yeah, same thing with films. And, you know, I was thinking about this before about the relationship between like pop culture or just culture and, and film. And where do you, how would you, where would you say it stands right now? Because I, like, I see where it, for me, I look at it and think, okay, there's more representation than ever, which is great. But then it's also like there's more. It seems like the the hate hasn't dialed down. Um, so, yeah, what what do you make of that? Um, I mean, I have multiple thoughts. Um, I think, um, uh, I mean, to a certain degree. I try to, cause I, I do have to, in my day job at GLAAD, I have to deal, I, I have to be in proximity to that anti-LGBTQ hate, like constantly um, dealing with particularly, uh, particularly the like really disgusting high follower hate accounts on all of the platforms, you know, who just day in and day out, that is what they do. And like vicious, horrible targeting of lgbtq folks with uh bigoted lies um you know about um particularly about healthcare for trans youth um and um you know the these mashup conspiracy theories around lgbt the idea that lgbtq people are pedophiles which is a you know an old you know, we saw that, you know, over the decades, there's a really great uh, uh, interview with Harvey Milk arguing with John Briggs and, and Briggs doing that same thing. You know, this is 1976, mm -hmm. that same thing, 76, 77, um, you know, saying gay people are pedophiles and Harvey is like, that is an absolute lie that is, you know, bigoted uh you know hate driven politically you know motivated hate and it's a lie he, it's an amazing interview um and but it's exactly that right and except that it's you know on steroids um like that the harvey briggs thing was on you know local tv not on like broadcast to billions of people um anyway sorry i digress uh but um you know the the how widespread it is is you know and and this idea of um 
you know, that that kind of rhetoric when it's being spewed and especially when it's being spewed by politicians who are, you know, theoretically legitimate figures um, that uh, people are believing it. I mean, I think I think that it is a small minority of extremists who are, you know, cultivating these hateful lies um, and honestly, partly for profit, um, you know, these and, and the, the platforms themselves as well. You know, YouTube makes billions of dollars in ad revenue and they have there's hate everywhere, this this kind of stuff. And they they do a terrible job at uh, uh, moderation and mitigating the content. Um, sorry, I will get to your actual question. About That's OK. Cultural representation. Yeah. But um, um, uh you know, but but also just from, you know, the political motivation, like this is like a classic playbook, right? Is like, uh, what is what is a group that people are, you know, not very familiar with and a little bit afraid of? Let's lean in and like cultivate fear and lies about them. And people will, you know, some people will fall for this. Um, And so, you know, I, I just... <sighs> You know, I think that's what we're dealing with. And I think partly, you know, it it's very connected to, um, you know, obviously the Florida don't say gay bill is so, um, you know, the idea that the right and especially the Christian right is, you know, anti-LGBT, they don't want, they don't want even anybody to learn that that it's okay to be gay. Um, and, and so, but, but I think a lot of that comes from a fear about the fact that we have come so far culturally. And like you said, like, there is that sense that like every TV show has a gay character and we have come so far. And I, I try to like take, you know, hope from that, this sense that like, we are here and we're not gonna, you know, we're faced with all of this horrible hate and bigotry, but it's not like it's gonna make us go away, you know? And and I think um, we have to hang on to that and have to hang on to, you know, just a fundamental sense of, of right, of that people, we all deserve to feel safe in the world. And to not be attacked for who we are. And I think that the majority of people believe that. Um, and that, you know, again, that I think that this is a small minority of extremists that are uh, leaning in on this, this kind of hate. And, you know, that we just have to continue to stand up against it. Um, but it is, it is so incredibly... Um, terrible and so hard to understand um like how people can be so hateful um so i was reading that the um you know the accused person uses they them pronouns and, and wants to be identified as i guess gender non-conforming so I, yeah i mean can i just say yeah uh i mean whatever i'm you know 
we, there's a bunch of GLAD staff are yeah. are on the ground in Colorado Springs, yeah. helping the local folks um, deal. And and uh, I don't know, it's hard to keep up, you know, yeah. moment to moment with things. I and I I think um, what do I want to say about that? I think I I partly my I mean I will just say my instinct was that that it doesn't sound like a legitimate uh you know it, it's the the suspect's uh, attorney who who issued that the um the 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 sorry I'm like what's the legal stuff the uh you know police department and stuff has not there's a lot of information that has not been revealed has not and and I feel very, um, you know, suspicious of what is what's going on there, and and I and I don't really particularly want to talk about it beyond that, other than to say, obviously, you know, this person chose a LGBTQ nightclub, and, um, you know, they all. I, I mean, although they have not yet declared it. A hate crime or at least not as of this morning um it it seems would seem hard to um imagine that that isn't what it is um yeah well and i will we will find out more about it and and as i'm sure you know there was another in a walmart a former employee killed six people so i think you know this is well there very well may be a hate crime component to this is also you know, part of a larger problem uh, that we have in this country of these you know, massacres. And, you know, let's, it's, it's very tragic to, to think about this. Um, but let's let's switch subjects um, and talk about something more life affirming because we can really get bogged down in that. Well, I do think uh, that when, I, I mean, I mm -hmm. just, just to go back to what I was saying of like, you know, everyone deserves to feel safe. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that we all need to like remind ourselves of that and like um, that it should not be like this. And that the way that we can, one of the ways that we can fight back against it is to, um, I don't know, you know what I mean? Just like constantly reconnect with, <laughs> I'm like, we're awesome. Like, <laughs> like, like, and like we, I don't know, you know, just like queer joy, queer culture, queer film, queer, um, how amazing we are and, and how, um, like, yes, it's terrible that people are spewing this hate at us, but like, I, I don't know, you know, you know, the phrase like living well is the best revenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some variation on that, which is that is like, I refuse to like spend my life, like, you know, engaged with hateful people and hateful things or at least, I mean I I have to engage with them because it's my job but um but I engage with it in such a way that is um do you know what I mean like that that is just um is like yeah I have an amazing life I'm an amazing person we are amazing people um we are, and like connecting with the joy and the gratitude and the, like, I mean, it's been terrible. <laughs> it's been terrible, but it's also been 
beautiful, incredible this past week, like how people have shown up for each other, you know, LGBT mm -hmm. folks and yeah. also straight allies and like, you know, and just knowing like we are, yeah. And, you know, we are going to get through this and, um, and stay, yeah, stay focused on, you know, and stay focused on our culture and our, I'm like, I want to be, I want to be like, there's like all these great queer movies out there. <laughs> like, let's, you know. But I mean, the, the movies are, and that's, but that is really important because it helps, it creates representation that can make a really big difference in someone's life. Like I'm thinking about, like, let's say just what's happening in Florida right now. So is DeSantis going to start like censoring, you know, people, what people can and cannot watch on Netflix? No, right. you right. know, it's like, yeah, you might be able to make inroads at what's going on in, in schools, but at the end of the day, you know, you, they're going to, kids, people are going to use social media. They're going to watch, you know, they're going to watch Netflix. I mean, they're going to watch YouTube. They're going to watch Amazon. They're going to see things that are out there. You can't really shelter people from it. Uh, well, and ultimately people recognize or will recognize the, the, you know, ramifications of so much of these, you know, concepts that really are, um, you know, censorship, you know, and, you know, fascist and like, like you can't, um, yeah, no, to your point, like, uh, <laughs> uh that it i mean that it does you know it does seem like these you know encroaching on like oh you know don't say gay don't you know we're gonna ban all these books we're gonna you know yeah uh stop people from whatever whatever um sorry i'm i've lost my train of thought um but uh well i think that what's important is that we can't you know, as far as like tragedies happening um, we can try to lend support and also think about how we can create a better atmosphere you know for people who are who are queer and i think art has a you know plays a really big role in, in that of creating like creating representation and creating beauty and creating beauty that's like this queer focus too uh and yeah. i think that that i do think that makes a difference an enormous difference. I mean, it's life-saving and it's, and, and I think, you know, um, I mean, my, you know, back to my background of starting the gay film series in, in the in cities, like, um, in, in Minneapolis, I, I, uh, had the sense, like, I mean, that in, in many ways it saved my life, you know, that was like, and it's the classic thing is like, oh, there here are representations of people like me i am not alone i maybe i am okay um here okay i can feel a little bit better about myself i can also so much of to me the power of film festivals in particular you know was like i'm going to watch this film and there's a bunch of people that are watching it with me and we are creating community here in the act of watching this film together and you know frameline is such an amazing experience to go and be together and um you know 
and and yeah, it, it is um, anyway can be you know truly life saving, and then just also just fun. That's true. <laughs> we yeah. we deserve that. Wait, can I? I have a question for you actually, or a, a open ended thought. Yes. Which you know because. I was going to say, but we need to take a quick break. Can, can oh. I wait until after the break? Yes. Okay. okay. All right. Just a minute. You are listening to KXSF LP San Francisco. This is Fifth Wave Radio Clearly Drinking. I am Pamela Louie, and my guest is Jenny Olson, who is a filmmaker, film historian, writer, and much more. Uh, Jenny, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for being here. Uh so you you said you were going to ask me a question. I was thinking I could maybe dodge it with a the break there, but I'm I'm game. <laughs> um, I yeah, I mean, I just found myself thinking about um, you know, I mean, particularly, you know, in this moment, uh, which you know, after the shooting on Sunday, I, I am thinking so much about um particularly about uh, queer bars as gathering places and as places where, you know, that are so important to our community and, um, you know, everywhere, all over the world, right? Um, And, you know, in the interviews with folks, you know, the few survivors that I've seen the interviews with, you know, they talk about that and about like, this was our safe space. And this, you know, is such an important thing. And but it was making me think about you. And that, you know, you have had you have been such an organizer of, of not, not bars per se. Well, yeah, bars like Cav and Um, yeah, Hayes and Vine. I mean, those are those are they're wine bars, but they're bars. But they're bars. And they're and they were not like, specifically just queer but they were tended to be very queer and um and now um somebody's sister which is like such an amazing thing and I don't know I just found myself thinking like you know how how do you how did you (laughs) this is like flipping the tables on you but like it it is I'm gonna we're gonna have to do a part two because I have a feeling we're not gonna have enough time today but but go on (laughs) And I'd be very happy to talk to you some other time anyway, but yes. But could you just say a little bit about how you decided to get into that field and, um, or I don't know, or what you You think You mean why I decided not to go to law school or medical school and become a judge or psychiatrist, but instead basically became a bar owner. Uh, Okay, so it just, uh, I'll put this, because I want to get to the new movie you're working on, okay, but uh, just to put it succinctly, I was once thought I was going to go into academia and it's something where I still that is like the one career that I path I did not choose that I do think that I would have really enjoyed had I gone down that road uh I was on my way to it I was going to start a graduate program at NYU in the fall of 1991 uh before that the year before that I had been working at a wine shop in New York and absolutely loved it and I spent the summer visiting some friends on the West Coast, various places. I came to San Francisco, fell in love with it. Uh, I think I know subconsciously now, because I ended up not going to grad school, moving to San Francisco, January of 92, and came out within a few months. And I think it was, for me, it was just about coming out. But I had been in working and like loved what I was doing in wine. And I had been living in Europe when um, I was a student and then after college as well. And this is love going to the wine bars in London. 
So I always had the idea of doing something like that in California. And in 1994, I opened with another person, uh, Pace and Vine. And so that was, well, that's really just how like my stuff started. Uh, what was, I think, what was wonderful about that and, and other things I've done too, but I have really vivid memories at Hayes and Vine about during the festival, we would have like, you know, the girls party, I forgot what it was called, but that was, we did that one or two years. Um, and it was great. It would just be, it wasn't necessarily that different from other nights because there were not quite frankly, where it was just wall to wall lesbians. Uh, but it was, it was great. There was this wonderful uh, camaraderie a feeling of community that uh, I think we had then. And I, I think it's still there too. Uh, I think that some of the, it, it's just that as like kind of where we are in our lives, our relationship to that community may be a little bit different. So we might not see it the same, but I, I think it's still there. Uh, so yeah, I mean, basically that was, you know, that's kind of how that happened. Uh, and I think as, as far as like there being a dearth of like lesbian bars, gathering spaces, there has been one. There are uh, two people who are doing something called the Lesbian Bar Project. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it was like a few years ago, there I think there were just 15 lesbian bars in the entire country. Now there's some more that have opened up. Like there's one that opened in Mobile, Alabama, by two like queer women of color. Uh, so there are more. I yeah. think what's the the way that I look at it these days is that I think it's great to have not just a a space that revolves around alcohol, but where alcohol maybe is a part of it for those who want to drink, but where to do to do something that is about more than just drinking. Um, anyway, but that's just my thinking on it, uh, because it's not just that there are people there are people who don't drink, and then there are people who just does not to drink as much as they once did in their lives because we're getting older and we get acid reflux uh, or whatever it may be. <laughs> giving you a little bit of my case. So uh, yeah, I, th I think that it's really important to have these community spaces. And I try to explain to people, some people I know who are, you know, do not identify as queer, who are cisgender, heterosexual, why there is the need, let's say. And like, because like every other space you go into, basically the default is that it's cisgender and the default that it is like straight. Even yeah. if it's, even if it's a place, let's say, like Zuni Cafe, which is queer owned, it's still, and there has a lot of queer, has a queer clientele, but it's still the, it, the idea is that this is like, we are conforming to the um, social dictates of like, of heteronormativity in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, and you don't really, and in queer bars, you don't have that. Uh, I mean, like, I think it's great that there were leather bars and I think they were like great that there are bars for people who have like who have their own language, you know. I mean, like a cultural language, not literally like a spoken language. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's that's what I think. So can we talk about your movies? Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> are we good? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can no, we move I, on? Yeah, no, no, no. That's okay. I I, uh, I just had such a great time at the somebody's sister thing that you invited me to last month and 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 I can't wait to do the next one and well the anyway, next one is so. Tuesday night at Junior Bar in San Francisco so okay. um uh, and we're doing a uh we're doing a holiday prom at friends and family on December 18th so that should be fun and like I don't know if you've had a chance to get to friends and family yet have you I haven't yet I'm dying to though 
But. Yeah, it's like it's a queer themed restaurant. Uh, I sent Kate, um, you know, yeah. Kendall, and she was texting me. She's like, "Wow, this place! Like, yeah, it's really, really cool uh, what they're doing there." And it it kind of reminds me of a lot of the like my generation, but twenty years ago, uh, where it's like a lot of sort of the kind of the food and wine, like queer women or non-binary people in sort of the food and wine and sort of their like their friend set of people. Mm -hmm. uh, so it sort of reminds me of like the Hami and Elizabeth Faulkner and you know, other people within from our generation were like in the nineties and like, you know, the early mid aughts. Yeah. And then, we then we just aged out and stopped going out <laughs> because, because we get too much acid reflux, but okay. Let's, let's talk about your movie. You have a new film coming out. Uh, well, or that's, that's, that's in development. Yeah. In development. Ooh. Yes. Um, um which uh i don't know may take me uh, quite a while to make but um it's called the quiet world and um basically i had started developing it years ago um and kind of started doing some fundraising for it and working on the script and um and then ended up getting this job at glad um, I raised a bunch of money for it, um, which is in the bank. Um, but then I got this job at GLAAD and kind of have had to pause it for a while. Um, I'm not sure when I'll get back to it, but I am, I'm still writing. I'm working on the script, but the actual making of it might take a little while. But um, but yeah, it's called The Quiet World and it's similar to my other films, um, uh, 16 millimeter uh, urban landscapes, um, very contemplative, uh, and then uh, a voiceover, which again, I'm I'm still working on the script, so um, it will be very queer, uh, very, uh, my work tends to be very digressive, kind of uh, stream of consciousness. I, I, like my last film, The Royal Road, I always describe as a Butch Dyke pining over unavailable women and the history of the Spanish colonization of California. And which is, you know, meant to be a little bit funny. <laughs> and and it is a little bit funny. It's also um hopefully a little uh, you know, meaningful and um um whatever. But um but yeah, it it I'm I'm plugging away on it very slowly, but so. Yeah, so I've seen the Royal Road, uh, and I I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I've also seen the Joy of Life, and uh, I do. You definitely have a style of filmmaking, which is why I can't wait for your your next movie to come out. Uh, I know that there are many years in between your movies, so especially it's almost like a Terrence Malick kind of thing. Uh, I, but I, I was wondering about that, the relationship between like the, the story of the Spanish co uh, colonization of California and the more personal story about the Butch Dyke, uh, which, yeah, I was able to relate to a lot of that as well. And I, but I was wondering if there was a reason why you, you chose to put that in the same film or like how you felt that the two topics played off of each other. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think with my films, so yeah, The Joy of Life as well, which was from 2005. It's interesting. The Joy of Life was came out in 2005. The Royal Road was 2015. 
So maybe the quiet world will come out in 2025. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good bet. I, I let's hope yeah, that seems ambitious, but um, uh, but maybe um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I always say like you know, my so my films are they're they're written uh, they're first person voiceover films. They're kind of me and kind of not actually me like kind of me as fictional character or me as persona um and um so i'm you know speaking of things that are meaningful to me or you know have resonance of like yes butch dyke finding over unavailable women i know about that um uh and uh and so in the case of the railroad partly it was you know, here's a topic that I am that I am interested in and that I think is um, important and compelling and also made sense like threading into the story, the quote unquote story of of the rest of the film, which is like, you know, this character slash kind of me pining over this woman in Los Angeles and, you know, going down to LA along El Camino Real, the Royal Road, um, which is the road in which uh, how the Spanish colonized California. Um, and so, and and also because it's a landscape film, there's footage of, um, of the landscape, including El Camino Real. Um, and anyway, it, it kind of like, there were a lot of ways that it just made sense that it, it wove together um and that it's a really incredible um story yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah the first film uh the joy of life i know that one of the themes there was the theme of, of suicide and and a mark having mark finch who was your festival co-director of Frameline, you know having taken his life uh in 1990 that was that was 1994 or 1995, it was, it was right at the beginning of the year. I, I remember that because Mark actually came, in, on New Year's Eve, he came into Hayes and Vine, my, my wine bar. And he was with uh, another, was with a friend and we had a, it was weird, there was a little bit of a blackout. Um, so everyone had candles and it was actually turned to this really delightful New Year's Eve. It was like, we just opened, so we weren't that packed. Hmm. And then a few, like a week later, I got a um, an article in the mail from him he wrote the column for the BAR and used an acronym. And in the column uh, mentioned having been at Hazen Vine on New Year's Eve and what a nice time he had. And the day that I got, I got it on a Saturday, um, I found out the next day something happened. So I guess he, it was the day that I got, it was the day he took his life too, uh, which was really haunting. That was really tragic. Uh, I know for you personally and, and for the film community. Um, Yeah um wow i don't I, it's interesting i don't think that we've ever talked about that i yeah. i um i um oh, yeah he he died on january 14th um and he jumped off the golden gate bridge um and uh it was yeah i mean still is so devastating and just shocking and um hard to understand or accept or you know 
but yes, the end, which was 1995. And um, but, I, but, but the film you made was such a beautiful tribute. Thank you. I, I mean, yeah, so that happened in 1995. And then, and I, I don't know, I mean, I think we all, you know, struggled to process it and, uh, you know, locally and in the whole queer film community worldwide. I mean, he was a really significant person um, in the queer film world. Um, and, and yeah, I, like, so then it was 2003, 2004 that I was working on The Joy of Life and was out shooting and and we were shooting out near the bridge. And I was like, well, maybe we should shoot some footage of the bridge. And, and, and then somehow, yeah, decided that I wanted to try to write about it and, and, um, and see what I could come up with. And, and I, I mean, it is, it's interesting to think back. I, I decided, you know, okay, I'm going to tackle the, it, basically it's the history of suicide and the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, but it was this kind of like, okay, I'm going to tell the entire history of suicide and the Golden Gate Bridge as a way of dealing with my personal, you know, grief. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, half the film is that. And again, it's like not really directly related to the other half that is Butch Dyke pining over unavailable women. Um, and, uh, but, but then when it came out, it, it, it got into Sundance. It, it world premiered at Sundance in January of 2005, almost exactly, you know, 10 years since Bork had died. And um um and it it was really an interesting time. It was this kind of uh there there was another film that had been shooting that same year that was called The Bridge that was also about suicide in the Golden Gate Bridge. And there was this convergence of of things and basically uh it revived an interest in getting a suicide barrier erected on the bridge. Um, and there were, as it had been for decades, other activists working on this issue and trying to get the Golden Gate Bridge District to, to erect a barrier. And um, anyway, years, 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 years of, act, of activism and stuff. And um, there is finally a, a barrier. It's, it's going to be a net that's going to be underneath the bridge that's in the process of of being being installed right now actually um uh after you know whatever thousands of people have lost their lives yeah i mean we, we don't even really hear about it unless it's someone that we know or you know i i mean i've well yeah it's, it's just that it's, it's something that's so common that it doesn't really even make the news anymore and yeah well we need to take another very quick break and we'll be back you're listening to fifth rave radio really drinking on kxsf lp and we'll be right back kxsf fm comes from dress and a fashion boutique located in the heart of the city of Marino, 
Dress carries a wide range of contemporary clothing and jewelry designs with collections and styles to fit any occasion. From work to weekend, from daytime to nighttime. Dress is located at 2271 Chestnut Street between Scott and Pierce. Shop in store or online at dresssanfrancisco.com. Thank you for your support of San Francisco. So we are back here at Fifth Wave Radio, Queerly Drinking on Kamalui. My guest is Jenny Olson, who is a queer film historian, writer, filmmaker, uh, and has been an incredibly important part of the Bay Area queer scene for over 30 years now, which just goes to tell everyone a little bit about how old we are. Uh, but that is, you know, I look at it this way, I've earned, and I'm sure you feel this way, you've earned every gray hair that you have. So, uh, yeah. So you're the, the co-director of the Brassan Project, and I, I've seen Buddies, but I haven't seen any of his uh, other films. And uh, I'm going to assume that there are probably not a lot of people today who know who he was, uh, and even know about some of the earlier films. And, you know, as we were discussing, historical representation is very important. So what do you think that people today, and not just people who are LGBTQ identified, but also people who are, or just you know, people who are interested in film should know about Bersan's films? Um, sure. Thanks for asking. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Volume was off. Okay, we're yeah. good. Um, thank you for asking about that. Um, I um, yeah. So Arthur J. Bresson Jr. Um, uh, was a pioneering gay filmmaker in the seventies and eighties. Um, he was from New York City, but he was here in San Francisco in the early and mid seventies, um, working and making films. Um, and, uh, he died of AIDS in 1987. Um, and, uh, he had in 1985, he made a film called buddies. That was the first feature film about AIDS, um, which is a beautiful, beautiful film. Um, and, uh, yeah, about five years ago, I started working on a project to basically restore and re-release all of his films. Um, and I work with his sister, Ro Bresson, who lives in New York. Um, and we have steadily over the last five years um, been doing this. And the most recent ones that we did the restoration and re-release, um, and they came out on Blu-ray a couple months ago, um, uh, uh, two gay adult films from the 70s, Passing Strangers from 1974 and Forbidden Letters from 1979, both of which were shot here in San Francisco, tons of location shooting. It's, they're both, they're amazing. They're like practically like, you know, gay documentaries, even though they're feature films and they're porn. Um, but there, there's all this location shooting like in the Castro and, um, uh Polk Street and actually Forbidden Letters is partly shot at Alcatraz. <laughs> um, this, okay, like, now I really have to figure out how I'm going to track this film down. <laughs> it's it's there it's on Blu-ray. It's also on um streaming. It's streaming on Pink Label, um pinklabel.tv, which is the queer owned um adult uh streaming site. Great site. Um 
uh and anyway so those are the most recent ones that we did we also did the um restoration of the 1977 documentary that he made called gay usa that uh partly is a documentary about uh san francisco um pride um which was then known as gay freedom day um and uh and it also documents other pride marches around the country um in 1977 um anyway and he so he's made he made documentaries features adult films shorts um, and we've been doing all those restorations um, and it's very rewarding and like still there's a there's a book being worked on about him and his work um, there's um, yeah uh, and folks can check out there's a website the uh, the project.com um, b-r-e-s-s-a-n yeah, I think I was pronouncing it pronouncing it the French way. I'm just I know I'm, I know. Like yeah. I'm not sure where that came from. Bresson. Um well no, I think it sounds really cool. I said like I I am very interested in, in seeing some of these other movies. And yeah, Buddy's definitely is a really like poignant film. I remember watching that and feeling I think it just really captures what was going on at the time too. I mean, I was that was 1985. I was like, well, I was in college, but I was living in New York and it was like how it was in San Francisco where you, there were just so many people um, and you really could see, you know, with gay men who had AIDS and it was often very visible. You would see guys who were pretty young in the village, like in wheelchairs, mm -hmm. you know, with, so uh, I think that, you know, there, there was, it wasn't really until like the early 90s that there was more i think that making films about aids became less taboo especially when um you know with philadelphia but i think about the stuff that um, you know, i think about buddies and some of the things that like marlon riggs did too and i i feel like this needs to be more people know need to know about this canon of uh queer film uh, that that is that really accurately depicts the devastation to the LGBT community. You know, it wasn't just a gay man because there were a lot of lesbians who were like very close friends with gay men and helped care for gay men. So I think it impacted everyone. So we just have a few minutes left. So uh, I just want to ask you a, I have mean, so many other questions I wanted to ask you, but what do you think are some of the themes that you would like to see explored more in queer film and, and let's say TV uh, than what we have today? Because the, the type of movies that we see today, are, it's definitely different from 20 years ago. There's a lot more in the way of, of uh, trans representation. We see more people of color uh, than, than we did. But what, what, what do you think that you, what do you think still needs to be worked on? And of course, I think in those categories, we can always use more diversity. I don't think it's, you know, we've hit the saturation point. Mm -hmm. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, yeah, just like more and more d diverse stories from, you know, diverse communities. And um, um, I think, uh, I mean, I don't know. I always think there's like kind of two different planes that work is made on, uh, or, you know, there's like mainstream releases, you know, which are so important and, um, uh you know, or whether that's, you know, obviously like broadcast television or, um, you know, big, big movies. 
um, Hollywood movies that are so important. Um, I'm usually personally more interested or compelled by smaller films, um, independent films, and like even like super scrappy films that are just never going to get like a wide release. And in my work at Frameline as a curator, I like I was always much more interested in like, okay, I want to see the like really scrappy, like video that like somebody who doesn't even know how to make a film, like, I want to see that. <laughs> like, because like, they have like, something way more interesting to say or 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 to say it in a way more radical way you know that isn't about like somehow trying to get a big release and in some ways i think my own work like because it's this like obscure 16 millimeter urban landscape essay film thing you know is like you know it was just was never going to get a wide release and but i but i would I don't know. I was never interested in that. I mean, not that I wouldn't have been like, oh, sure, I would love for my film to be on Netflix. But um, anyway, sorry, I'm more I'm interested in, you know, little tiny movies that are more radical or, or going to say things that in in certain ways or say things that we need to hear, you know, that that's what that's what artists do you know too yeah. is like tell us things that we need to hear that maybe we don't even want to hear <laughs> um, you know yeah. um yeah well unfortunately we are going to go off of fm in just a minute so for those people okay. who are listening uh on fm uh please if you want to keep up uh you need to stream us at kxsf.fm uh and i also want to Mentioned that we uh, acknowledge and pay respects to the Ramatush Ohlone people who are the traditional custodians of this land, and we honor the enslaved people who are brought here and recognize the histories that tie us to them. So, uh, especially with tomorrow being a national holiday, uh, it's one to reflect on in, in you know, not just your own life, but, but it, where it actually came from. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Jenny. It's a pleasure to speak with you. As said, I had a whole bunch of questions I didn't get to ask you. So I'd love to have you on some other time. Maybe I can check in with you and see how the film's going. Okay. Um, and everyone should go visit butch.org, my domain, to find out more and to find links to see my other films that are out there. And, yeah. Um, yeah. But thanks a lot for having me. Uh, sure. And for everyone else who is here uh, or who's listening, thank you so much. This is Pamela Louie for Fifth Wave Radio Queerly Drinking, and I will be back next week at 2 o'clock.